Hello, this is The Game Podcast from The Times, and I'm Natalie Sawyer. Joining Gregor Robertson and I today, it is Ben Machel. Ben, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. Lovely to have you on the pod with us. It's a, it's a debut for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a long time, uh, particularly to talk about something so close to my heart. You certainly were celebrating over the weekend, so that's probably given a big hint. Gregor, how are you doing? I'm good, yeah. Probably... Not quite as good as Ben and maybe a little bit better than you after the weekend football oh, now. Thanks, Gregor. I didn't need the landing. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, I know, I know. But we'll get into all of that in a, yeah, in a little yeah. while, of course. But had a good weekend, Gregor? Yes, I was down at uh, the Valley for Charlton against Wigan, which was... Oh, that was a game. Yeah, I know, yeah. So much riding on it. And, and that kind of late goal from Macaulay Bond for, for mm. Charlton, it just, you know, Wigan... That might have seen Wigan safe, but now they're relying on other teams, uh, even if they beat Fulham. So, yeah, we're going to get into all this. There's so much to play for in the championship still. Oh, there really is. It's unbelievable. There is loads coming up today as we look back on not one, but two managerial casualties from the weekend. And we welcome back a familiar face to the Premier League. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. There is only one place for us to start, and that is with Leeds United. They will play Premier League football next season for the first time in 16 years. With the news confirmed on Friday with West Brom's defeat at Huddersfield before being crowned champions when Brentford failed to beat Stoke on Saturday. It's been 16 long years then for a club that reached a Champions League semi-final in 2001 before relegation just three seasons later and an exile that has included three years in League One between 2007 and 2010. Ben, I said you had a a good weekend. That's because you are a Leeds fan. So after all this time, how does it feel? Yeah, I mean, it it does feel a lot like a hangover. Um, (laughs) It it, it feels very strange. Um, With a Leeds fan, you do get used to um, it being one thing after another. And it's been strange, but I think... People are starting to come to terms with, uh, yeah, with the reality of what's happened. It's nice to get rid of that sort of tag of leads are falling apart again as well. It's, it's nice, and it's nice to have people not feel sorry for you because uh, I think there was this sort of point that came probably about seven or eight years ago when the, the, the worst thing was when people sort of generally did feel bad for you, which is not a feeling that you, you kind of ever want to, to sort of have <laughs> other fans sort of saying, you think, no, I'm a Leeds fan, you're not meant to feel bad for me. But they did, and, and just having people kind of um, looking at you with sort of slight concern um, for the first time in a long time is nice. Gregor, you've obviously covered the championship. You know what it's like this season in particular. Could anyone begrudge Leeds their place at the top of the table of English football? God, no. I mean, they've been by far and away the best team in the league, probably for the last two seasons. I know that sounds silly to say when they fell out, but every conceivable metric of of performance in, in uh, football in the Championship, they've been top apart from shot conversion. If they had someone who could put the ball in the back of the net a little bit better, mm. it would have already happened. But um, no, I mean, it's, you know, there's been a lot of, there's a lot said about whether a team belongs in the Premier League or not. And I don't really, I don't really buy into anyone. You know, I don't anywhere. like that, Gregor. You know, I, <laughs> I know don't you like don't, that. yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> I don't buy into that either. And, you know, I, some kind of, I I played for Nottingham Forest, and as a club, you know, I I, I uh, have a bit of affinity with. And there's something similar about the huge kind of weight of history and and achievement, and a failure to live to kind of come anywhere near to living up to that. 
So it's for someone like Ben as well, who I'm sure for a lot of his adult life has been, as he says, watching a team that's been chronically underachieving. It's it's a great thing, and it's a great thing for the for the Premier League, whether they belong there or not, to have such a huge club back and some iconic fixtures to look forward to next season. Mm. It has been a long road back, Ben. How bad did it get? And did you really ever think that you would get back to the Premier League? I mean, there have been so many moments over the past 16 years or so. Um, I mean, you know, going back to sort of starting in the third division with minus 15 points with an absolute ragtag sort of squad was, you know, I suppose, literally the lowest point. Um, But even since then, just the revolving door of, of managers, of owners who clearly haven't had the haven't been there for the right reasons. Um, it becomes chronic, and I think it does kind of affect how you kind of view your own club. You know, just being so dysfunctional for so long. Um, I, I don't want to get too sort of misty-eyed, but you know, just that sort of sense of, I suppose, a pride and purpose, just sort of being missing for so long. Um, it, it, it does make it did make you think. You know, sort of, are we ever going to sort of get get back? You know, to where. You know, I think if you're asking a Leeds fan, you know, you, I know what you say, like, oh, there's no club has a divine right to be in the Premier League, but I, I, I do sort of believe that there is a divine right to be in the Premier League. And, and you feel that more and more as, as, as the further and further away you get. So, in as much as there have been kind of low points, um, sort of whether it's particular results or, you know, I remember coming back on a train from Swindon on a Tuesday night in the third division getting beat 3 0 and having work the next day. And just sort of thinking, like, I'm pretty sure I've seen us beat Deportivo 3 0 that long ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but as I'm sure we're going to discuss the past two seasons, just you know, turn all that on its head. I suppose before we talk about perhaps the man that has turned it around for you, what what has also stood out is that the fans never gave up, did they, Ben? I mean, they always turn up at Ellen Road. It's, it's really hard to put, I mean, I've yeah, I've, I'm from Leeds and I've been a Leeds fan since as long as I can, you know, as long as I've been allowed to by my mum and dad. <laughs> and there's something that is, it, it is hard to put your finger on. I think everybody likes to romanticise their own fan base and their own club. But there is something nihilistic and kind of demented about Leeds fans. <laughs> and kind of the worse it's got, the more that's come to the fore. And I do think it has sort of, in, 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 a, in a weird way, sustained us, you know, just mm-hmm. to kind of... The, the tragic comedy. It's almost like if it had been a little bit less dramatic and we'd just gone down a division and we'd, you know, just sort of had this sort of stodgy kind of decade, it wouldn't have been quite so much, I don't want to say fun because none of it was fun, but it, it wouldn't have kind of maybe sort of served as such a kind of a, a bonding agent, I suppose, for the fan mm. base. Well, as I say, we can't talk about Leeds without giving huge credit to their maverick manager, shall we say, Marcelo Bielsa. Following the sacking of Paul Heckingbottom in June 2018, the Leeds owner, Andrea Radrizzani, reportedly asked director of football, Victor Orta, what is your ideal situation regarding a new head coach? Bielsa was Orta's reply, but I think it is impossible. The chairman then said, well, why don't you try? They did. And we know what happened. They succeeded. Revered in Argentina, Chile, Marseille and Bilbao, the man known as the godfather of coaching to Pep Guardiola and Maurizio Pochettino endeared himself to the Leeds fan base immediately. High-pressing, aesthetically pleasing football made him an instant hit. Combined with some memorable off-the-field moments. Did someone say Spygate? Ah, We'll gloss over that one. So let's talk about Bielsa and, and his contribution has his appointment been the biggest factor in Leeds's success? I'll come to you on. I'll come to you, Gregor, on that one first. I mean, of course, yeah, absolutely. I just go back to the first game, uh, first game of his tenure against Stoke City when they won three-one, and it was the same team that had finished, I think, thirteenth the season before. Apart from Barry Douglas, the left back, who was the only only addition to the starting eleven. And I cannot personally remember a more striking transformation of a group of players and, and team and a more clear sort of bit of evidence of of his work on the training ground. Uh, and it was just remarkable. Um, they absolutely eviscerated Stoke, who'd just come down from the Premier League, just spent 50 million quid on um, on new players, and Gary Rowett was kind of blown away by it. So, yeah, that was the start, and then... You know, there's been it's been so there's been so many ups and downs. I remember going to see them play Sheffield United as well in March, March of that season, 
and they lost one nil. And I've again, I've never, I don't think I've ever, I can ever remember ever feeling such a weight of expectation inside a stadium. Um, I remember actually get that day getting the the square ball of kind of long run running fanzine um, at Ellen Road, and uh, <laughs> page one of the of the, of the kind of editorial had the word please written 185 mm. times <laughs> followed by don't F this up. And obviously they did. And so part of this as well is, you know, coming back from that game, that absolutely wild game in the playoffs against Derby and responding from that, you know, and Bielsa staying for another season and the players sort of rebounding from that huge disappointment um, to achieving what was done this season. It's, yeah, I mean... Without Bielsa, obviously, none of this would have happened. Mm. Ben, do you, do you agree with that, though? Is is Lisa's success right now all down to the appointment of Bielsa? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a, a absolutely massive to do with that. Um, you know, it, just looking at our league positions over the past you know, 10 years in the Championship, I think maybe we got to seventh twice over the past eight seasons. It's not like we were kind of, you know, like Leeds are there or thereabouts. They just need this, you know, a little bit of X factor to get them over the line. Like, we were never anywhere near, you know, getting automatically promoted. And then to go straight from, you know, from sort of being you know, a fairly anonymous squad, to being honest, to then, you know, blowing teams away in the manner that we did, it's, it's all down to be able to. And that, I think one of the things which has been sort of so fascinating, I mean, he became, he sort of arrived with this sort of mythology around him. And you kind of think, ooh, you know, there's going to be some kind of, you know, really kind of sort of secret, mysterious stuff going on. But the thing with Bielsa is that it's just, it's all there. Like, it doesn't hide anything. You know, he tells you what formation he's going to play, he tells you what team he's going to put out. You know, if the opposition play two up front, they'll go to about three. There's literally, it's all there for you to see. And this idea that there's some kind of sort of magic secret knowledge that he's got, it, it, it's, it's happening right in front of you. You know, mm. you, can, you, you can see what the player's been told to do. You can see how they've been told to play. And, you know, as, as Gregor said, it's just, it is, I think it exposes so many of the fallacies of modern football in that you get into this mindset of like, I mean, a player has a level, or he's a league one player, he's a championship player, he's a Premier League player. And you get this sort of fixation on, as a fan, on acquiring talent. And I think what Bales has shown is that you, you, you can coach so much of this. Like, you mm. know, players at any age aren't a finished article. And if you can kind of give them a structure and if you can give them disbelief then what they can go absolutely through the roof i mean you know, i think we'll talk about calvin phillips later but so many of the players in Leeds squad never been anywhere near the premier league never been kind of you know we, we've not been knocking back approaches as far as i'm aware for people like liam cooper or stuart dallas who you know two years ago you'd sort of say oh good championship players you know in, in the squad sort of thing now you know, they've, they've blown this division away, and, and and that is all entirely down to to, to be also in his approach. That's a that's a great point because I'd still say now that there are teams in the in the championship who probably have on paper better squads. I mean, Fulham probably have better mm. players in their ranks individually, but they're not nothing like the same team, and that is all down to Bielsa and also getting them to buy into. You know, you can do all the training the. the endless hours of work on the training ground and stuff, but getting the players to do it, to do to run the way they do it, that is the kind of that is the the kind of the golden touch that he has. And I don't part of that might be the mythology, but he's he's always been it, it seems like he's always been able to do that. It's been able to get the players to maintain that level of intensity which has been difficult and they've done it. Well well let's mention Calvin Phillips, because you you did mention him there, Ben. I mean he is I mean, he's been simply brilliant, hasn't he, over the last couple of seasons. He's been called as well, perhaps the best, uh, he's called Bielsa, sorry, the best manager in the world. Is that uh, an example of Bielsa's management, the transformation of Phillips? And you've already pointed out some of the other players within that squad, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I I think Calvin Phillips is like a perfect lens to like examine sort of what Bielsa can do. Um, You know, Phillips has been at the club for four seasons or so come to the youth ranks and you know he's a sort of a hurly burly box to box championship player who probably gets sent off to you know two times a season and maybe score four goals um and he's just turned him into something which you don't have to know anything about football to watch him play and know exactly what he's doing and know exactly why important he is you know just kind of watching him in that position doing the work that he does and then also sort of playing the passes that he does it's kind of like it, 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 it 
sort of seeing something unfold in front of you, like immediately. And it, with Phillips, it wasn't even a process. He, it's literally like in those, you know, those first few games last season against Stoke and Derby, he sort of showed up with a new haircut and just started playing like that. And you kind of look, <laughs> sort of look at the people around you, kind of being like, "Well, he's, he's going to get sent off at some point." And uh, it just, you know, never did playing incredible passes and just. He just looked like he had an IQ of about 300. It was, it was amazing. And, and, you know, there were other players you can apply that to as well. And I think sort of so much of what we're seeing and what Bielsa does is just this faith, you know, this absolute faith and of just sticking with this way of playing. And, you know, loads of managers sort of say, oh, I've got this brand of football. Or, you know, this is what I want. I want, I want my players to play this way. But then it gets to the eighty-third minute, and you need a goal, and you're basically just hoofing up the pitch because you don't really have that sort of true faith. And 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 what we're seeing in the way that Leeds play is that they absolutely lose so many times. I've been screaming, you know, literally just put it in the mixer because you know that that's kind of you got the the devil on your shoulder telling you to think that. Mm. And I think what Bielsa does is he's the angel on your shoulder who's just saying, no, we're going to keep we're going to keep passing, we're going to keep doing what we do, and. As we see nine times out of ten, in the end, it, it, it works. And, and, and that's as much to do with the success as anything, I think. I mean, what's impressed me, Gregor, is the evolution of so many of the players there. I can relate with, with Stuart Dallas when he was a, a winger at Brentford. Mm. And now Stuart Dallas can pretty much play anywhere on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. incredible, really, what, what Bielsa has turned him into. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing left-back sometimes yeah. <laughs> this season. Yeah. This season. I remember uh, against poor old Stoke, they seem to have always been inflicted. <laughs> it was heavy weights, but Stoke this, uh, in August of this season uh, is probably the best performance of any second tier team I've seen in the flesh. It was they won three nil, and it was just ridiculous. The Hernandez played this pass to Stuart Dallas. I'm sure Ben probably remember this. Is it was kind of a little interchange midfield and you know no one no one else in the stadium could have even seen the pass and Dallas was hearing down the right from right back and Hernandez found him and that was the opening goal and, this, and I think the second goal was scored by the left back Alioski doing the same on, on the left on the left wing so you know he has transformed individuals but again it's part of the kind of the team ethos in the system and and Dallas is definitely one of them Hernandez is as he seems to have kind of stepped up to a whole new level. He's he's like the, the mm. magician when they really need somebody. Um, but yeah, there's so many players you could call. I mean, Liam, Liam Cooper as well. He was someone who was getting, you know, he'd sometimes get some stick. I don't, not, still not entirely sure he's going to be a good enough defender for the Premier League, but he he kind of stepped up and he used to be their captain and, and, and leader on and off the pitch. And, you know, they had the best defence, I think, after Brentford in the league. So, um yeah, remarkable achievement. I suppose I should ask you, Ben, had you not have gone up this season, were you worried about the future and would Bielsa stick around? Uh, I mean, I personally feel it would have been unlikely that it would have stayed another year in the in, in the championship. But then there's something about his character that's kind of <laughs> sort of unpredictable, you know. Um, he, he, he may have stayed again. You know, I think a whole part of the his draw to the club in the first place was that he was able to, you know, put the club and the city into some kind of, kind of emotional context. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't just a, a job. I think he was able to kind of identify, look, this is something that needs putting right and I'm going to be a part of that. But whether he would have stayed for another year, I, I don't know. I, to mm. be honest, I was trying not to think about it. <laughs> well, I don't blame you, to be honest. Um, we should then talk about the potential of Leeds and how high they can finish. There, there have been a few Leeds fans and football writers getting carried away, perhaps this week, talking of top eight or even top six finishes in the Premier League next season. But do, Gregor, we expect this promotion to be a smooth transition for Leeds into the top flight? Uh, it's it's hard to know. As I said, I think there's there's two glaring kind of areas. They need they need to bolster the defence because as much as they want to have they would want to have Ben White back from Brighton, they'll do very well to get him. I think because I think if he was on the market, there would be teams bigger than Leeds or certainly higher in the food chain these days um, who would be after him too. He's a future England international, and as I say, I think Cooper. He's you know he's improved a lot. I'm not entirely sure. I think they need at least one defender, and Bamford has never mm. scored 
never really scored in the Premier League on a consistent basis. So, and to rely on him, even to rely on him to fire them into the Premier League in the first place was kind of touch and go. So, I think they need a striker and 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 a centre half definitely. But the one thing we know is there's not going to be any compromise. I think we're one of my favourite quotes from Bielsa was, I don't compromise, and I don't say that as a virtue, it's a defect. <laughs> so, you know, he's, always very, he's always very kind of honest and, and uh, self-critical. But we know that. We know they're going to attack, and we saw the way they played against, against Arsenal. I don't think it matters who the opposition are. To some degree, they will always approach the game, um, certainly in possession, and, you know, attack, attack with gusto. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be compelling. Um, who knows how it's going to end up though <laughs> So how optimistic are you Ben? I think the chairman Ladrizani has said you know next two or three seasons consolidate i.e. don't get relegated and then you know we've got some you know, some master plan for you know sort of pushing for top six like I think any Leeds fan would say don't get relegated uh, I know it's <laughs> you want to be optimistic and say yeah we can, but like realistically, like and, and, until we know who we're signing, it's really hard to it's really hard to say. But I, I think the point Greg has made was was right. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we uh, make some signings from Argentina and probably I think I think some of the some of the top end championship clubs. But I don't think we're going to be kind of um, unveiling Messi or anything. So yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm, com- I'm confident we'll stay up. But um, I, I do think it's just going to be about sort of finding our feet. Well, looking down from Leeds' position in the Championship, and it's West Brom who is in second spot, and it's there to lose. Brentford's failure to beat Stoke means the Baggies will be automatically promoted with victory over QPR on Wednesday's final round of games. West Brom, Brentford, Fulham, Nottingham Forest and Cardiff make up the rest of the top six then. Do we expect that to stay the same going into the playoffs? Gregor, what do you think? I think uh, Brentford missed a chance, yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, I think I we should think just so. gloss over that defeat at Stoke. I mean, uh, just remarkable this last this week, last week, uh, mm. this last round of fixtures. So I think, I think th- I counted thirteen clubs still have something riding on on the final game. Uh, obviously, Brentford play Barnsley, who need to win to have a chance of staying up. Forest, I think Forest will keep the. We'll keep the the fifth place or, or or Cardiff in sixth as well. I think Cardiff need a point. Forest need a point against Stoke. I think Cardiff play Hull, who really are in in big trouble. Um, and Swansea have got a would have a lot of um, goals to make up on Forest as well. I think so. So I think probably it's going to be as is, um, mm-hmm. and that's going to be interesting to see how that affects Brentford. You know, they've won won eight games in a row. And then when the when the opportunity was there for them, uh, they failed to take it. And if Fulham, for example, were to were to beat Wigan, um, you know, just having having these having a kind of refound their their uh, their form in these last two games, probably the psychology of of the playoffs would would shift a little bit. So it's going to be fascinating. Well, it was always interesting psychology-wise for Brentford as well, Gregor, as I'm sure you would have realised that as well, with the sense that all since the restart, it's been about catching up, catching up, catching up. And it became a whole different dimension when it was actually, it's a different type of pressure on us now. We can go into second spot if we either get a draw or win. And it obviously didn't turn out uh, either way for us. But anyway, um, (laughs) I'm I'm wondering if Ben perhaps can, can... well, I say give me some solace, but we know what happened to Leeds last season when for a large period of that time, Ben, they were in the top two and, and then fell away. Can you in some ways relate to the Brentford situation and think that actually that failing to make the top two, given the opportunity they had, could actually deflate them ahead of the playoffs? I think Brentford will do all right. I, I think Brentford will win the playoffs. Because oh, it, Ben, it, I, like I like you. you. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I knew I had to say something like that. <laughs> it, 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 I think because Leeds and West Brom have been up there for so long. In a way, with, with Brentford, it's sort of nothing ventured, nothing gained. They've not slipped down from anywhere, which is, which is exactly what happened to Leeds last season. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, obviously, they've been absolutely gunning it. And it's been, you know, I can say it now, it's been you know, really impressive to see. And I think probably Brentford's form has had a massive knock-on effect on, on, on the form that Leeds were able to find in the end anyway. But it's not quite the same situation. So obviously, 
you know, maybe the can look around and say, look, we gave it everything, um, but we're still, you know, the best of the rest. And the, the playoffs are weird anyway. <laughs> they are weird, aren't they? Especially when you're a team like Brentford who've never won one. We've got a terrible record in them, as I'm sure I've mentioned many times on this pod. Um, but it's just as tight, Gregor, of course, at the bottom of the championship with Middlesbrough, Birmingham and Charlton all precariously placed above the bottom three of Luton, Barnsley and Hull. Added into the mix is Wigan, who are awaiting a 12-point deduction for going into administration, an amount that would put them in the bottom three. So aside from Wigan's potential deduction, who's going to go down from the championship, Gregor? I mean, again, <laughs> good luck trying to call this. It's so much rides on Wigan because, you know, Wigan falling into the into the bottom three could make Luton safe without them having to win. Uh, Hull, Hull can only really catch, you know, they could... They could Leapfrog Barnsley, they could leapfrog Wigan if Wigan, if both of them fail to win. Um, but they would still need Luton to lose, and they're the only team they could really catch because they've got a better goal difference in them. So look, it's absolutely like labyrinthine. You, you could not. <laughs> you, there's so many permutations. Middlesbrough and Birmingham, they're two points clear of the drop zone, but uh, you know they will want to be sure that in case Wigan's Wigan kind of won their appeal against the points deduction, uh, that they would they wouldn't kind of fall into the bottom three. Um, so there's so many, and then we're not even mentioned Sheffield Wednesday, who have still got an EFL hearing. They, yeah, they are eight points clear just now. You know, th- three more points could be precious for them, and they play Middlesbrough. So that's another big game, even though it looks like it. You know, it wouldn't really be on the face of it. Um, so if if you're asking me who, I think Hull. I think Hull are down because I think Cardiff will beat them mm-hmm. and there's too much that needs to go right for them anyway. Um, Barnes, Barnsley are a good side. I mean, Ben, ben maybe watched the... I'm sure he did against when Barnsley played Leeds uh, a few days Mid-week. ago. Yeah. yeah. And they're a good side. They're a good mm. side. If they'd had a little bit more experience, they signed a centre-half who was kind of... Uh, Solbauer, who, who was kind of in his late 20s and he actually scored an own goal that day. But he's he transformed them defensively and just they needed their team was usually averaged kind of an at their average average age was like 21 so anyway Barnsley scored a last minute winner against Forest give themselves give themselves a chance so that's a crunch game um and Charlton need to go to Leeds uh I really don't know (laughs) know. I was gonna say you've basically just gone round the houses and just told me Hull and that's it I mean okay well I'm going I'll go Hull I think you guys will beat Barnsley and I think, unfortunately, Wigan might really Wigan might go down. I think Fulham, Fulham oh. could do a job on Wigan. Oh, that would be so cruel, wouldn't yeah, it, in it would. a way, for, for Wigan. Um, ben, I mean, you, you've seen, a, I'm sure, a lot of these championship sides. Um, could you pick a, a bottom three? I mean, if Gregor can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, it's impossible. But we'll put it this way, Ben. You know, Bleeds have been in the championship for quite a while now. Uh, have you ever seen or known of a championship season as competitive as, uh, as this one? Because apart from Leeds being promoted and, and champions, nothing else really is sorted. Yes, we know that Brentford and Fulham are definitely in the playoffs, as is West Brom or, you know, depending on who finishes the automatic promotion spot. But everything else is up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, I think there was some, some nerd on Twitter the other day sort of saying that the permutations of you know, teams going up, teams going down. You know, the mathematical probability was kind of like there were 12 billion different possible outcomes. <laughs> and you think the championship is like, you don't associate it with that at this stage of the season normally. Mm. There's, you know, one is just sunk and normally there's, often there's one who's run away with it. Um, it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're not going to be, <laughs> glad not going to be in that season. But I was going to ask you that, Ben. I was going to is there any small part of you who kind of will miss the championship and how wild and wacky and unpredictable it is? Is that a stupid question? It's really a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, it, 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 there's definitely something to it. Like, the, I think there's a lot of, just just the twists and turns, you know. Yeah. It, 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 and, you know, clubs who, you know, finished 18th last season and then, you know, coming back and then doing really well. Like, it, it, it's some of the haymakers that get thrown in this division are just brilliant to watch. Um, but that said, I'm, 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 I'm a bit of penalty, actually. <laughs> well, at least you, 
you definitely have that for one season. We can guarantee that. <laughs> um, a, a side note to all of this is that Leeds' promotion, which was confirmed when West Brom were beaten by Huddersfield on Friday, was then followed by the sacking of the Huddersfield boss, Danny Cowley. The results made the Terriers all but safe, but Cowley leaves the club after just 10 months in charge, having taken over in September when they were 23rd in the table after failing to win any of their first six matches. Assistant manager Nicky Cowley, Danny's brother, has also left the club. Also, first-team coaches have also been relieved of their duties, with reports suggesting it was the style of play that perhaps cost them their jobs. Uh, Gregor... I know when I saw the news, I, I was sort of bemused by it all. Mm. Do you, is this harsh on the Cowleys? I mean, definitely, yeah. I think I saw there was a, a poll in the Huddersfield Examiner and 85% disagreed with the decision. Um, that much? Gosh. Yeah, I mean, who knows? That's probably a Twitter poll or something. But still, That's I probably think the that's... Cowleys just voting <laughs> yeah, again yeah. and again and again. But no, I, th- I think, look, if it's, if it's style of play, then they knew what they were getting, surely. They, mm. the, it was never it was never kind of free-flowing Bielsa ball with, uh, with Lincoln. And they weren't expecting to, to get that when they when they pushed the boat out to get them. And, they, you know, they really did push the boat out to get them. Cowleys turned them down uh, on a number of occasions, I think. And they kept kind of going back. So... It's quite. It is confusing. I mean, you see that who they're going. Well, who's been very strongly linked now? Carlos uh, Cobaran, who's mm. who's uh, Bielsa's kind of on his on his coaching staff at Leeds. You know, that's a complete swing from yeah. from one extreme to the other. So really, I think the finger has to be pointed at the, at the owner Phil Hodgkinson, who who is completely kind of, as I say, made one made a huge swing from from one extreme to the other. Um, and it was a tough gig that the Cowleys had. They, Huddersfield were on a huge downer after they'd, you know, they lost David Wagner. Jan Seward came in. I think they won like two games in the space of a year at home or something. Or maybe, maybe it was some, I think it was like a year they didn't win at home. You know, they were it's a terrible place to to come in, and a lot of players on big contracts, and it's very difficult. We've seen a lot of clubs come down, Stoke and Middlesbrough and others. Who it's a hard, it's a hard to kind of reacclimatize and and. They kind of they did what they had to. It was a close run thing, but they kept Huddersfield in the division. And this season, there's going to be a huge turnover of players, and they've not had the opportunity to build their own squad. I wanted to ask you about the the link to the assistant at, at Leeds and also the under twenty three coach, isn't he at Leeds as well, Corbran? Uh, you mentioned there, obviously, if you're going to go with him, that's going to be a very different style altogether at Huddersfield. And I was thinking about the personnel at Huddersfield. Did they have? the players there that can play like perhaps they do at Leeds. But having discussed, obviously, with Ben about the changes Bielsa brought in, can it be coached differently? Can those players, Gregor, at Huddersfield, be coached like Bielsa coached the Leeds players? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say necessarily because he's worked for Bielsa he's going to be able to do the same no, thing. No, absolutely. But you can, you can see why, you know, you can see why uh, why the, the owner would perhaps go for him. It's, a, it's still a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, every appointment's a risk. Uh, th- of course, they can be coached differently. And as I say, there are a lot of players that are, that they're able to move on uh, this summer. And there's a kind of core of players. I think it looks like they're going to be selling Carlin Grant, the striker. So, you know, there's the financial worries as well. I think the, the club's changed hands obviously since the since they were relegated from the Premier League. So it's and I think the thing, one of the other issues is the Cowleys. Part of the reason they turned it down initially was they want they wanted to have real kind of autonomy over everything. They wanted to be involved in recruitment and to be have the title manager rather than head coach. And you know Hodgkinson relented and he gave them that, but he's obviously seen fit to to go back on that now and and uh, obviously wants to have someone else and have more input in recruitment and, and somebody who's a head head coach to coach them. Yeah. Well, Huddersfield, of course, had kept four clean sheets in six before their 2-1 victory over West Brom, with Cowley losing only one of his last six games in charge. That run has left them 18th in the championship, three points above the relegation zone, but with a goal difference 14 better than 22nd place Luton. Cowley previously guided Lincoln to promotions for the National League and League Two in his three full seasons in charge, while also leading them to an FA Cup quarterfinal against Arsenal while they were a non-league club. What do we think of Danny Cowley's reputation, Ben? Do you think it's been enhanced during his time at Huddersfield? Yeah, I think everybody knows, um, as Gregor said, that you know, it is a very difficult job. You know, clubs have 
I think everyone's sort of seen that they'll have trajectories for a while, you know, particularly coming down from the Premier League, losing kind of a, 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 you know, a manager in Wagner's kind of very much put a stamp on the club. There's got to be periods of adjustment. It's, it's almost as if like a, a, a season isn't a useful metric of, of time in the championship. You know, if you want to get anything done, sort of thinking in terms of seasons isn't particularly helpful. And it's one of these things that I think fans sort of know it intuitively, but then when you, it comes to when the fixtures are out, chairmen and, and, and fans want success, but it sounds like Huddersfield fans, um, you know, uh, don't bear them any ill will. Um, and mm. yeah, I, 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 I don't sort of see them sort of going back to, uh, you know, League Two or anything like that. And what about English managers? Is this a blow, do you think, Ben, that we've lost another one? Someone who, on the outside, it looked like things were going well for Huddersfield. He'd got them out of relegation trouble, albeit with one game left. And there is still so much to play for, as Gregor has pointed out. But it, it seemed as though things were moving in the right direction. So is this another blow to English managers? It's down to the chairman, isn't it, I suppose? Um, you know, they're the ones making these decisions. Um, it, it just, it, you know, perhaps there's more to it than meets the eye. But going from, you know, a, a manager like him, where you very much know what you're getting, to then sort of, you know, it, it seems like sniffing around his kind of polar opposite in terms of style, in terms of quarterback, the, 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 the leads under 23. So what do you want? You know, that, that's not that, that's not Dana Cowley's fault. You know, that's not an, an English manager's fault. That's mm. a chairman who can't sort of put his finger on exactly what it is that he wants and he's kind of unable to really kind of um, allow a season to pass without making a change. Um, so I, I don't know whether that answers your question, but it, it, it would seem harsh for uh, anyone to sort of think, oh, well, that's a kind of a, another nail in the coffin of the English managers because it, mm. I think anyone would, no one would say that it's failed given that where, where the club was when it took over. It's just that this, this seems to be the fate for for guys who, who get an opportunity from League One or League Two, Paul Hurst was another at, at Ipswich who, you know, he was given a tough task and um, and then didn't get, you know, I think he only lasted 14 games. So it's very rare. It's, you know, we spoke about this when, I, when he was appointed. It was a kind of, he'd made a big name for himself in the FA Cup with, with Lincoln, um, got them promoted. He was on an upward tra- trajectory. But still, despite all that, it's very rare for... Uh, a manager in the lower leagues to be offered a championship job without being being promoted there and reaching it himself. So, yeah, I mean, it's just another one that's not worked out, and that that probably will put off the next the next chairman or owner from from trying it next time. Mm. Well, where do you expect, or what level do you expect the Cowleys to to be managing at next? Then, Gregor, I agree. I mean, they're not going to go back to the League Two. I think they'll they'll be looking at the club. So it's going to be. Especially after this experience, you know they they had so much to do with the with the the kind of rebuilding of Lincoln. I think fans the the, the number of fans through the gates almost quadrupled. <laughs> they they absolutely picked that club off its knees and took it from the conference to League One, um, and they were getting two and a half thousand fans, and then they were selling out Central Bank afterwards. So I get, I think it will be for them. They they really want to buy into. A, to a community and a and a football club and be all in, so it's going to be about the club. I would say League One, mm-hmm. um, but but a club that has a, a good chance of of succeeding and making the championship. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Well, the Cowleys weren't the only managerial casualty on Sunday afternoon with the shock news that Nigel Pearson had left Watford with just two games to go and the Hornets still not safe. It's understood that a frank exchange of views between Pearson and the Watford owner Gino Pozzo after Friday's defeat to West Ham was the catalyst. Concerns over team selection, substitutions and the team's performances since the restart had already eaten away at relations between Pearson and Pozzo along with his technical director, Filippo Giraldi. Oh, gosh. Um, Another one, perhaps, that was quite surprising over the weekend. Or was it? Should we be surprised that they have parted ways so soon, Ben? Yeah, it seems strange to me. I mean, Mm. again, yeah, who knows what goes on. But just from, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, good examples throughout football history of when your club's, you know, just above the relegations, there were two games to go, getting rid of your manager. Like, there may be some, but they don't spring to mind. Um, you know, if, if, if there's a clash of personalities, can they not just wait two fixtures? You know, it, it, it's hard to kind of, um, it's hard not to kind of think that, that there may be some kind of uh, ego issues, kind of perhaps overriding the, the, the pragmatic reality of what's got to happen on the pitch. Mm. Reports suggest that a lot of the players were shocked by the decision. He was appointed as Watford's third manager of the season in December when they were bottom of the league with just one win from 15. His impact was immediate with 14 points from his first seven games in charge picked up as he edged Watford towards safety. But that was followed by 11 from the next 13 and no first half goals in all seven games since the restart. Uh, Gregor, do you think he's been harshly dealt with? Undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, yeah, the the players respected him. That was the main thing. That was the really thing. That was the thing that kind of leapt out from his Mm. time at the club. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of players are thinking, despite the fact that they're very well paid and they're playing in in a league where they'll earn more money than than most, they'd be thinking, you know, what what is the future of this football club? If fourth fourth man fourth second. in 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 a season really, and you know somebody, the, Javi Garcia was uh, taken to an FA Cup final last summer, and it didn't last long. They brought back Flores, Mullins, and Stack. You know Mullins and St- Mullins has been an academy coach, and Stack was still playing football two years ago. He's a goalkeeper coach. How do you think that putting putting them in charge will be have a a better chance of of yielding survival than having Pearson at the helm? Uh, it's beyond me and. <laughs> I mean, he, I think it would, one thing you have to say is Pearson is not a shrinking violet. So, <laughs> you know, he's had, he had a, a bit of a blazing row with Mel Morris at Derby County not so long ago, and that, that spelled the end for his end of his time at, at, at Pride Park. But despite that, I mean, as I say, you have two games left. Um, they might not even have to get any points to, to survive. Um it's it's a wild it's a really wild decision and and I hope it comes back to bite them to be honest. What strikes me about the situation at, at Watford as well is it's something like fourteen or fifteen managers that they have had or, or will have had in charge when they appoint the next one in the seven years that the Pozzos have been in control of the club. Ben, you you can't have a successful club if you don't have some stability, surely. And this is one of these things that everybody knows. Everybody knows it. It's like it's, it's the brilliant thing about football, is that like everybody can take a step back and kind of you know identify the things that successful football clubs do and the things that mad ones do and the things that you should do and shouldn't do, and then you still do them anyway. Like it's kind of um it it, it, it is surreal. I was just thinking about that there isn't a single one of of, of Watford, Watford's relegation rivals will be thinking like you know that's anything other than a good thing. That, that, for them, that, that, that person's gone. Like, you can't imagine anyone uh, at Villa or Bournemouth thinking, like, oh, no, you know, oh, no, this is, this is a disaster. Um, and as for Watford, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, the, the turnover is going to, at some point, I mean, I've, funnily enough, never been a football player, but at some point, that's going to start <laughs> to affect recruitment, surely. Like, players and agents are going to look and think, okay, well, uh, you know, did, did this manager, tell, you know, sort of saying that they want me for this and stuff, but 
you know, in, in three months' time, it, it's going to be another spin of the wheel, and who knows whether I'm going to be playing on the bench or what. They make Massimo Cellino look positively patient as well, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but Gregor, you, you tell us... Um... Does that come into your thinking as a player if you're seeing the instability of a club, whether with the manager situation that we're now finding at Watford, would that enter your head as a player about whether or not you want to go to that club? Well, yeah, I mean, as I say, they, they, a lot of these players, they, they have a kind of a, a very wide recruitment network and and scouting network and they, they, they do pretty well on the whole uh, at, at recruitment. But I think, you know, if, if Ben's right, if there was... If it was between Watford and another club that that looked stable and and you could see a kind of a forward path um, and a trajectory of the football club, uh, then you, you would choose the other club, I think. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, I, the, thing, the thing I've obviously discussed this with, with regular, great regularity this season because of the number of changes I've had, and what Watford are different to any other club in that they they have the whole kind of structure and the and although it's becoming more prevalent in, in in the rest of football, Watford are, are still different to anyone and that the, the manager is completely changeable and often they even see that the manager has to be changed to freshen things up. So um but this is this is just taken to a whole new whole new lens and, and as I say I think I, I hope it bite comes back to bite them because it's you know it's it's Nigel Pearson is kind of Someone who you wouldn't have expected really to to be handed another opportunity in the Premier League, um, and he's taken it. And he, you know, they they blew away Liverpool. That was a that was a remarkable game, um, before before the, the 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 hiatus. And he's done brilliantly. And he's you know he's a he's a very popular figure in the changing room and and in football. So it's he's been very hardly uh, harshly done by. Mm. I suppose. You mentioned there about the recruitment, Ben, and whether or not players would question whether or not they should move to Watford. Do you think the same could be said for managers then, uh, thinking that maybe there is a lack of faith in coaches at Watford? Intuitively, you think, yeah. But then, again, how many managers would turn down the, the opportunity to, to manage yeah. in the Premier League, assuming, that, you know, assuming, assuming Watford stay there? Um, it, it, you know, I don't think anyone would. Um, you, you think... You, you take your chances, but you, you obviously have to back yourself. You think, well, if I do well at Watford, then I'll, I'll, I'll stay. And if I don't, then maybe it's not so much of a, a stay in my CV, because everyone knows what Watford's like anyway. Do you know what I mean? Getting sat by Watford's hardly kind of, um, it's hardly the kiss of death because it's happened to so many people now. So but, but perhaps there might be a manager might rationalise it that way. But it, it definitely seems that there is a, um, a different culture when it comes to managers and head coaches there, that there is a... Um, that there is just a different way of doing things, and I suppose you have to kind of accept that when you take the job. Um, mm. I do feel bad for Nigel Pearson. I think he's a, I mean, he's a fascinating character. <laughs> he is that. Uh, I, what also struck me when you look back at this season, Gregor, the appointments that were made. Obviously, Javi Garcia continued on from from last season. Then Kike Sanchez Flores got the job after only what four games for Garcia in charge, and the Sanchez Flores appointment always struck me as odd when you think back to his first time in charge. Yes, primarily it wasn't bad, but obviously it ended on a sour note because he left. And he left criticising the board. He left suggesting that he wasn't happy with how things were run at Watford. So it sort of seemed strange that they would then turn to someone who had been so openly critical. Yeah, that was bizarre at the time. And, um, you know, he said that they'd had kind of clear the air talks and everything was fine, but um, that was a disaster. Uh and Pearson, I was reading Pearson's win win rate, thirty five percent, and points per game ratio is the best of any Watford manager or head coach in their Premier League history. Yeah. So you know, it's it's not a huge, uh, you know, a huge sample uh, of games, but he he done he they were seven points away from safety when he was appointed, and now with two games to go, they look like. They could. They, they've got a very good chance of surviving, you know, d- despite having a very difficult two games remaining. Um, so it's it's a mad decision. It does seem very balmy, doesn't it? Especially when you think back to last summer when they're in the FA Cup final, and now they're on the hunt for yet another manager to take over. It, it's understood that they are in no rush to appoint a successor. But really, who would want the job, Gregor? Ben, sorry, mentioned there about really who would turn down the opportunity of, to manage in the Premier League. But 
there must be some now who would start to question it. Well, I think I think Ben's right. I think you know it's the same with players too. If you Watford can pay can pay higher wages than 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 clubs in a majority of leagues in Europe, so you know despite them not being one of the biggest clubs in the Premier League, so if they maintain their Premier League status, there will be there will be hundreds of people desperate to take that job um, because they'll all believe that they can be the one to kind of to last. I don't know. But Gracia, as we said, kept them up and uh, and got to the FA Cup final. And and mm. and although they were on the slide a little bit last season, um, still it seemed hugely premature to get rid of him. So, you know, it's it's almost like I'm not sure what success would be for, for a Watford manager there. Um, so who knows? You feel like Pozzo just needs to put himself in charge, really. He should just <laughs> yeah. manage it and get on with it. Or at least, at least understand how difficult a job it may well be. Um, Nigel Pearson has tweeted today. He said, I've been overwhelmed by the well wishes I've received from Watford supporters and the football community. Thank you all for your kind messages. Although not able to finish the task I was brought in to achieve, I wish Watford all the best for their final two games. Cheers, Nigel. Ben, let me come to you because you mentioned... He's a bit of a character. Do you think we'll ever see him in the Premier League again? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd hope so, because you know, in as much as some, you know, people kind of uh, might talk about maybe sort of his sort of idiosyncrasies. Um, I think he's he seems a very sincere person, and he seems that players absolutely love him. You know, at Leicester, I think the kind of the the degree of loyalty that um, he's able to engender this place and, and the way that they talked about him was was really striking. Um, there just seems to be perhaps something, um, uh, you know, maybe on the abrasive side, maybe uh, he's not one for the boardroom, but I'd, I'd like to imagine that he would be. I mean, we actually take a step back and look at his you know, achievements over the past 15 years. He's done like a he's done a lot more, and than maybe you instinctively think of. Um, so I, I, there is definitely part of me that would like to see him, um, just maybe not too sort of up close. <laughs> um, ben, that is it. I just want to say, did you enjoy it on the pod with us? Oh, yeah, it was lots of fun. Yeah, it was lovely. Well, you'll have to come back when you can wax lyrical more about Leeds in the Premier League. preview, yeah. Yes, that'll be fantastic, won't it? Um, Don't come up with the ideas, Gregor. That's my job. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. That's Max, obviously, our producer. (laughs) That is it for today. Thanks to Gregor and to Ben. Don't forget to subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times for award-winning journalism on every platform. A pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. The Next Game podcast is on Thursday. Make sure you join us then after the final round of championship fixtures.